Welcome, Blood Brothers and Sanguine Sisters, to Deeply Discussing Dexter. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I'm joined by Aaron Caldwell. Hello. Brooke Merritt. Hello. And Zach Rowland. Heyo. And today we are talking about Season 1, Episode 4, Let's Give the Boy a Hand. Um, this is uh, an interesting episode. It's one of the. It's probably the first, I think, that doesn't have Dexter uh, killing an extra person for the just the episode itself. There's enough plot going on that they don't feel the need to do that. So it's fairly uh, fairly focused on the ice truck killer and uh, Dexter's relationship with Rita. Um, what did you guys think of this episode overall? Not one of my favorites. I thought it was a little bit weak compared to what we've had so far. How so? Uh, I just, I didn't think there was a whole lot going on. Um, I don't don't really know what it was I didn't like. I just felt like it was kind of flat. Okay. I actually kind of enjoyed this one. Uh, It focused a lot on Rita, and I thought her character needed that. Yeah, I liked it uh, well enough. I I wouldn't say it was probably like a, necessarily a uh, memorable episode, uh, but like uh, I do remember some of the stuff from it after watching it again. So you know, it was. Uh, I I think that there was there was some interesting parts of it, but all in all, like it was just an okay episode. Okay, well let's go through the ice truck killer plotline. Um, that's where the episode starts, and it's a crime scene that's just a man's hand posed to match a family photo of Dexter. Um, we flash back to when they took that original picture, and this is kind of the the game of this particular episode, is it's uh, a lot of use of the crime scene to reflect back to Dexter's past and give him an excuse to talk about how he has learned to fake his feelings and... Um, fake being in a relationship or fake dating and all that kind of stuff. Um, Dexter rushes home to his apartment to confirm that the killer had access to the photos. And then um, LaGuerta is still focused on Tucci, even though they have a pretty good uh, dub and Dexter have pretty much figured out that it's not him. Uh, Matthews comes in and tells her that the hand belongs to Tucci and he admonishes her for basically giving a press conference and starting a manhunt without the facts. So they've obviously been looking for the wrong person, which ends up with Dokes in charge of the severed hand case, and he goes out to look at it, and the cartel men that are now after him because he's been made bait are watching him from the crime scene. Um, Meanwhile, LaGuerta goes to Tucci's mother to apologize, and LaGuerta promises to find Tucci's body, um, which they're at this point assuming he is dead. Yeah, this one kind of jumps around uh, to a lot of different things. I mean, like, I think it starts off, you know, with, like, uh, remembering that the whole focus of the season is about the ice truck killer. Because sometimes when it starts off, we're not sure. It's like, oh, it can go direct to dire- the direction of, oh, this is going to be, like, a Dexter episode, or this is going to be uh, this character episode. But this one was like, don't forget, like, the ice truck killer is still doing his thing. And now it's even more specific to who Dexter, and like I think you know, I mean, we get that from Dexter's uh, inner monologue where you know he knows that there's like the the line about the puzzles, right? Like he's got pieces of the puzzle that they don't have, 
uh, referring to the other detectives and stuff like that. So, um, but then it starts to kind of explode and go all over the place, and you're following a lot of different things that are happening in, uh, around the, with the characters. I think that might be one of the reasons I didn't love this episode, because it was almost just too much going on, couldn't get too into one storyline before it would go down another road, and then another road. Plus, you know, I'm just, I've never been a fan of the flashbacks. It was pretty flashback heavy, so that's probably affecting my judgment. But yeah, there was just so many different storylines, kind of jump from one second to the next, to the next, to the next, to where you couldn't really focus in on, on what was going on. Yeah, and I mean, the, so there's, there to me, it was kind of a, there's two prongs of the episode, which are there's this three-way race for who's going to figure out who, or who's going to win between the killer versus Miami Metro versus Dexter. Um, the killer has the most information on what's going on. Dexter is in second and Miami Metro is way in, the, in last. And then they're using the fact that the killer has information about Dexter and that he's taunting Dexter with these these thoughts to work on the other prong of the episode which is Dexter's relationship with Rita and how he grew into the person that was able to actually even have some kind of something that resembles an adult relationship um, so it's kind of those things going on but the, the flashbacks are always about Dexter and Rita, or Dexter's ability to relate to women, uh, they don't usually have anything to do with the actual killing part of it, uh, because those are things that the killer couldn't know. The killer, like, wasn't around when those flashback things are happening. This, uh, the episode starts off when they're out on the beach and they find that, uh, the hand, and it that scene it really drives home how awkward and how not understanding Dexter is about the things that he says because the first thing he says when he sees a hand is interesting hand job and of course <laughs> Batista thought it was hilarious but the the look of confusion on Dexter's face when he says it was funny is is just priceless to me. Well, and we can't forget the fact the title of the episode is Let's Give the Boy a Hand. You know, as soon as you hear that, it's like, oh, okay, they're going to find a hand. So, you know, you knew going in, oh, they're going to find a hand. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> it's, it's another pun, not quite as bad a taste as Popping Cherry, but yes. Uh, bad another pun. pun title for an episode, yeah. And and I feel like we can we can put this on the the list for best quotes. Interesting hand job. Yeah. All right. Um, so then they get to a new crime scene with a foot and a soccer ball. Uh, Dokes and the people that are tailing him are there. The new photo shows that the killer knows about the fact that Dexter is killing people. And in a flashback, Harry tells Dexter that people remember bullies, so he should be good to fit in. Uh, which comes into play later with the whole Dexter and the dog story. Uh, LaGuerta puts Deb on the detail of watching a giant box of security tapes, and that's pretty much where Deb is for the rest of the episode, is watching tapes. Yeah, sometimes Deb gets, um, you know, she gets the short end of the stick, but inevitably, she even says it later, right place at the right time. Like, she wasn't even... 
she was sitting in the office and got a, a message. So, like, being at the right place at the right time doesn't even mean that you're actually on where you find the crime scene. You know, she just—it's like uh, she's got a um, an angel, which is her brother, <laughs> like looking out for her constantly, giving her everything. You know, good thing because she screws up a lot, so she needs that. Yeah, I was, uh, I, I, I was thinking in this episode about how completely off and bizarre she looked in that particular pantsuit that she wears in this episode. <laughs> it's just so not her. It's like she went through LaGuerta's little sister's wardrobe or something, and that's what she's wearing. And decided to feather her hair to make it even worse. Yeah. Yeah, it bad. Yeah, it's not good. Dexter runs a bunch of tests on the foot and drops a test tube. Um, Angel shows Dexter a diamond-studded four-leaf clover that he's going to give his wife. Dexter's like, this looks like a butterfly. Um... Dexter figures out that the foot and the hand, which were found two days apart, are the same level of decomposition when they're found, meaning that they were cut from a live person. So LaGuerta changes her effort to find Tucci alive. She also calls the mother to fill her in on what's going on. Um, Dokes runs a briefing to try and find more leads, and then Dexter reflects how he knows more about what's going on because of the photo connection. He suggests that the places are all places that have changed names, which is a lead that only he understands, but helps them try and track down where the next uh, crime scene is going to be. LaGuerta goes to a vigil for Tucci. Tucci's mom gives her a St. Anthony's chain. And then LaGuerta and Dokes have a conversation about uh, Tucci where Dokes says, yeah, you did fuck that up. And they leave and accidentally turn the light out on Deb, who's still stuck watching surveillance tapes. This this scene, um, specifically when LaGuerta goes to the vigil, it's like they realize that everybody in the world is going to hate LaGuerta by this point in the show, and so they were trying to humanize her. Yeah, I mean, uh, the thing that made me the most upset, and this is kind of just, I don't even know why I was so upset about it, but the fact that they had her call the mom and be like, you know... The, uh, anything to do with it like she's like divulging too much information when like you look at police officers today and they're like at this time we don't have enough information like there she's just like giving it out freely especially to the mother i'm being screaming like, at the screen <laughs> stop it no because then like he's definitely gonna die because i don't remember what happened from when i watched this in the beginning i thought well she just killed him because if you tell his mom that he's probably alive well now he's gonna die yeah, she's she's fighting to make sure that uh, that she's the only person, or that she's giving the information to the mother, so that she's not finding stuff out from the press, and that she feels more tuned in. And it's kind of a way for Laguerta to control her more than anything else. So you don't think it was more of an attempt to humanize her a little bit, because, like Aaron said, everybody really hates her at this point. I, I mean. It's kind of her role in the show to be this sort of disliked character. I didn't feel a whole lot of sympathy for her when she went from chasing down Tucci as the bad guy to suddenly realizing that he was the good guy. Just because 
it was more of like it seemed to me more of a reaction to her getting in trouble than it was a reaction for her being more humanized. I mean, I definitely was cheering when the captain was, you know, reaming into her. So, so I agree with you on that. But I almost feel like they were over pushing, trying to humanize her, and I just I don't buy it. Well, and when she's at the church with that with the mother, like she's trying to do less than what the mother wants her to do. Like she doesn't want to be introduced. She just wants to. She wants to be in control of how she's using the mother to get what she wants versus actually being there out of sympathy. Deb offers Dexter a million dollars for a hunch on where to look. She says something about Dexter's favorite place, and so Dexter goes to this... <laughs> it's it's like a, a power uh, pole power line with a smiley face cut into it. That was next to a landfill that was, I guess, his favorite place, according to a photo. I thought it was a palm tree. Uh, it was something like that. It just has a yeah. sm- smiley face carved into it. Yeah, because it's by, whenever uh, they pull back and they pull back into him in the real time, it's just a, the palm tree with the um, uh, with the housing units behind it, and there's like a circular drive around it. Right. And the reason yeah. it's, it's a change thing is that it was a landfill... When he went, yeah. went there, and now it's condos. So his favorite place was a happy face carved next to a landfill. Because <laughs> why not? <laughs> of course it's a landfill. Oh, man. But yeah, he liked watching all the trash get buried. He thought that was cool. Like, no one will ever find this again. <laughs> um, that flashes back to another picture of them at a pumpkin patch. Dexter shows that he's faking that he's having a good time, and he's doing it successfully. Um then back in present times they find uh the lower leg on the hayride at the pumpkin patch and angel shows dexter yet another potential gift which looks like the word ox and tic-tac-toe it looks like tic-tac-toe it's it's a hug and a kiss and dexter says he didn't wouldn't want it to look like someone was playing tic-tac-toe on her head which i thought was great (laughs) here's a question i have uh and this is in the writing, obviously, but like we talked earlier about how Deb gets stuck with a box of surveillance camera tapes that she has to watch as she's in the office. Do you think that obviously she would have like had a, a, a insight to these locations because she was at probably most of the locations as a child as well. We know the hayride for sure and the beach for sure, and I don't know if she was at the the uh, the yeah garbage place as well i don't think so but you know like do you think that she would have been like dexter why are are we finding body parts at all the places we came to as children that's a good question um i think the reason that they would be more memorable to dexter than deb is that they're sort of signposts of him learning how to fake humanity and he has the photo album. Um, I don't know that she necessarily has copies of all those photos. Um, some of the later ones, too, like the the landfill thing, there's no evidence that she went to that one. And the right. hospital uh, that's coming up, there's no evidence that she was at that part. Uh, right. That was just a Harry and Dexter thing. Yeah, and I, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I'm trying to give her more credit than she's probably... Worth, I guess, but like you know, I mean, she's kind of a bad detective, so she probably wouldn't think that far 
uh, into it or that deep into it to be like, oh yeah, this this could be tied to something else. Like, yeah, I mean, there's a good argument to be made that that she should have figured some of that stuff out, and then there's also the side of it that is, you know, she really is unable to think because all she's doing is watching surveillance videos. Mm-hmm. So, like, th- nothing is probably occurring to her except how bored she is. She she is one of my favorite plot devices in this movie, or prop, I guess. When she's in the room watching nothing but videotapes, every now and again she just yells out at people outside of the room. But they keep her in the room. So it's always muffled, or she's opened the door to yell, and I just I thought that was hilarious. Dexter finds a picture of him and Harry in front of Angel's Mercy Hospital, which flashes back to them talking about how that's where Harry's father worked as a janitor for his whole life. Um, Dexter uh, turns the whole idea of, you know, fake or smile for a family photo back against Harry, who's not feeling well, and so they get this other picture taken. So that, that picture has a lot more meaning than it would suggest just looking at it. And then Dexter goes to the abandoned hospital and finds Tochi alive, amputated, and blindfolded. Yeah, there's a there's a lot to uh, look at. I think with like um, the way that he sort of discovers all of it. Uh, obviously, we talked about how he, uh, you know, these are those moments that are significant for his learning purposes from Harry. Um, but then just like. You know the evolution of a killer and he's not he's a killer but he's not a killer i suppose so like uh i think that's what makes this one of those episodes that's like eh, it's okay it's got some interesting stuff they're putting some stuff into it character development wise but then you know uh at the same time it you know there's so much other things uh, so many other uh, plot uh many other ways that the plots are going and subplots and everything like that that um you forget about dexter's progress as uh as as a serial killer essentially to some degree yeah well and i thought the ending of this one was really strong because uh, because as weak as i thought the episode was overall the ending was was the strongest i think so far because when dexter realizes in that scene where he comes in and he finds tucci and he sees the tools laying around him and he's he realizes that the ice truck killer thinks he has him pegged, but really he's way off base. And I think there's some ease in Dexter realizing, okay, he doesn't see who I am at all. And when he has the line, I'm something new entirely, I'm Dexter. I'm like, yeah, okay, now we're getting somewhere. All right. Yeah. And he's, so he's been set up to be killed by Dexter, but Dexter doesn't do it. And then uh, someone who we don't see who is probably the killer uh, makes a noise, Dexter reels around, and he snaps a photograph of him. So, you know, again, going back to the, the whole photo motif and the, the game that they're playing. Um, back at Miami Metro, Deb is given a tip that leads her to Tucci. Surprise, surprise, it's an anonymous tip from Dexter. Um, LaGuerta shows up, angry at Deb once again for figuring something out before she did, and she tells Angel to use Deb to work the scene. Um, Angel lies to Deb and says his wife loved the necklace and then Dexter returns home and says he's not the monster the killer wants him to be he didn't kill Tucci like he had wanted to I want to go back to the start of this scene at the the flashback to the hospital real quick I, I didn't understand the point of this flashback 
He, they had already had a flashback where it talked about faking family photos. So this one just seemed like, how are we going to introduce this location and why it, why it matters to Dexter? Uh, it was the first flashback of the show that I didn't feel like he learned anything new or we learned anything new about Dexter. Right, but the killer used it because it's the last picture with Harry and Dexter together. In the photo album. Because Harry's getting ready to go into the hospital and get sick. And I think it also displays that Dexter is is understanding the code fully because he turns the code back on Harry. Whereas, you know, we're always seeing Harry teaching him and telling him what the code is and different interpretations. And in this one, he turns it back on Harry and it's kind of like saying, okay, Dexter gets it. This is when Dexter figured it out. Absolutely. I can see that. So that's the Ice Truck Killer plot um, for this episode. It's kind of this... I think it's interesting. I like the game between the you know the photographs and how Dexter's like just a couple of steps ahead of the police on everything as they work through this one. The other, you know, like I said, the other big plot line is the Rita plot line. And that starts with Dexter... Uh, scooping out pumpkin goo to carve pumpkins for Halloween. Um, the kids complain about a noisy dog. Dexter offers to talk to the neighbor and then insists on doing it because Rita's reluctant to do it. So he goes over and talks to her and she refuses to do anything about it and slams the door in his face. Um, which I think a lot of the audience, ourselves included, were like, hmm, I wonder if she's going to end up dead in this episode. Uh, <laughs> Dexter, Rita, and the kids go Halloween shopping Dexter says, I love Halloween. It's the time of year when everyone wears a mask. And Dexter offers Rita a witch costume. She says she's going to be Snow White this year again. And Cody says he wants to be Joe from Blue's Clues. Which, come on, Cody. Like, I expect better. Joe? It's not even Steve. And how old is Cody? Isn't he a little old to want to be a Blue's Clues character? I think he's a little old for that. Yeah, I feel like there was there was some kind of weird Dexter Blues Clues crossover potential there or some kind of weird cross promotion going on because like nobody talked about Joe. Yeah, I don't it was Joe related to the producer. I, I there who talks about Joe from Blues Clues anyway? That's like the Blues Clues lost years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I like, too, that she told him that a, a rugby shirt's not a costume. And then it's kind of like, but does he even know what rugby is? Like, he's, he's like, in that weird middle age of being like, he knows Blue's Clues and Joe, but he doesn't <laughs> quite probably know what rugby is, but his mom's like, rugby shirts are dumb. <laughs> like, it's a good parent moment, I think. Uh, uh. He goes and tells all the other kids at school, like, Blue's Clues is dumb because they wear rugby shirts. (laughs) (laughs) I I did like uh, another thing in the scene where Rita says that she's going to dress as Snow White and Cody or Aster say, you do that every year. Because Um, she is Snow White. Exactly. I I love that. She's, She's so pure in comparison to Dexter. Yep. So then uh, Rita makes an attempt to confront the neighbor about the dog and the neighbor just laughs at her. Uh, 
Yeah. I mean, I feel like animal neglect should fall under the code. <laughs> we should we should contact the writers. <laughs> Dexter would be so much more busy. Uh, so then uh, Dexter gives the kids a ride home and tells them they won't have to worry about the dog anymore um, which we initially assume means that he's either killed the dog or killed the woman or taken the dog away or whatever Um, but that flashes immediately to uh, Rita driving away with the dog and giving it to the family of one of the one of her co-workers at the hotel Dexter has a silly display at his house showing the dismembered body parts floating around, uh, which is one of those, like, this This isn't how crime scenes or computers work, kind of funny, goofy things going on. But he just has, like, the foot, the lower leg, and the, uh, the hand, like, just floating around on his screen like a screensaver. Uh, it's pretty bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then Rita shows up in her trench coat over the Lara Croft costume, um... The uh, episode I found to be a lot more interesting at this point. Uh, Rita makes a move and Dexter tries to wave her off, but Rita is too excited and ends up going down on Dexter. Uh, Dexter says, what are you doing? Rita says, whatever I want. And then Dexter admits that this might be better than all the other things he does with Rita. But I have a question. If rugby shirts don't make good Halloween costumes, do bikini tops make good Halloween costumes? I just want to question the... Consistency there. Just saying. Yeah, I don't know that Lara Croft is a bikini top wear. I think she was always more of a tank top, but she I think, was. Yeah, I think the idea was was still uh, it was still commendable. I was I was very happy with Julie Benz in that that outfit. Julie Benz was great in this entire episode, but this scene really drove it home. <laughs> <laughs> For some uh, reason, I'm not relating on the same level to this this part. I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, this is my this is also my favorite part. Um, so uh, I gotta wonder, though. Um, earlier, the one of the flashbacks, Dexter says, uh, you know, when you start to or Harry's like, when you start to get romantic, and he's like, "I dad have kissed a girl," and he's like, "Oh yeah, how'd it go?" Which was also. When he said, he's like, oh yeah, how'd it go? Like, I don't know. That was a weird response to me from a dad being like, yeah, give me the juicy details, Dex. Um, but so then I got to wonder when Dexter says this is better than the other stuff that I do with Rita. Like, has he never gotten a blowjob before? I'm not like. Oh, I doubt it's it. Like, he does act like it's his first time. Yeah. yeah right? I, d- I doubt he would have gotten a blowjob before if he's so. <laughs> Yeah, if he's—I mean, if he's so anti-sex, if like sex is always the thing that gives him away to women, I'm sure that you know it's usually not the first thing. I don't know. It's usually not the first like sex act he would have probably attempted with other girls or other girlfriends. Um, sure. Well, he's alluded to a really bad romantic history, obviously, but he's. We've never heard that he was in any kind of relationship, and you know he's not going to be pursuing like one-nighters or pickups in bars. So he probably never really had a relationship that made it past you know one or two dates before he creeped the the woman out. Yeah, and it would have always been the girl initiating it, and and you don't often see women showing up in Lara Croft costumes and going down on you. Um, 
that would be wonderful I, if you did, but it doesn't <laughs> happen that often. Uh, I mean, there was a time. There was a time. <laughs> 2006. I'm was learning so much. <laughs> um, but the other thing, too, is that, you know, there's the scene where he's he's cutting the grass and that girl signals him to ask her to the dance. And she doesn't. And Harry's right there to say, like, that's what she wanted you to do. And he says, well, I don't really care about girls. And Harry's like, oh, really? And he's like, no, no, I'm just, like, like not interested in that. I like the things that I like. None of that stuff interests me. I love that scene because <laughs> when she, she asks him about the dance, he just looks at her and he's like, why, though? It's well, he, so good. And he says, she says, uh, are you going to the dance? And he says, why would I want to do that? It just shuts her down so hard. <laughs> she, it's so brutal. She just turns around and walks away. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that's that's growth right there from from shutting someone down with with one phrase to to Lara Croft. That's a pretty pretty big swing. <laughs> oh, good um, for him. But this scene was also uh, Rita kind of coming into her own. Yes. Yeah. You know, she sure. she had been so hung up on all the damage that her ex-husband had done. So this was a lot of growth for her. Yeah, even driving around in a trench coat with that costume on was a stuff up for her. Well, I think the, the nasty neighbor, the way she went after Rita, and Rita was so vulnerable and just such a, a weak person, but that just snapped something in her to where she, you know, she had enough, and it grew her to this next level where she's gleefully driving down the road with Walter the dog in the car and then decides she's going to get a little down and dirty. It's just something just snapped with the the mean neighbor, and I love it. Yeah. Um, And their their story ends in this episode where um, they're snuggling after uh, the whole Lara Croft thing goes on. Um, She's about to leave, but she notices the photos on Dexter's desk that he's taken out from the crimes which she, of course, doesn't know are associated with the crimes. And she points out a photo that has Harry's shadow in it. He's he's sort of there. It's, got, it's a cool symbolic picture, and she tells him to get it framed. Yeah, she's. I think there's, she's definitely... Um, she's so invested into their life together that, you know, uh, it's almost surprising to see her at his place even that degree because I think this is this the first time we've actually seen her over at her isn't he mostly over at her place yes I think you're right yeah yeah I don't think she's been in his apartment yet on the show yeah so that's a kind of like a big moment and then but for you know for her to be so in tune with him even just on an emotional level which we will learn about you know in another in other episodes how emotional she can be um but to take you know take that uh that picture and just know the significance of it you know it's so it's so minute but it's it's such a huge thing it's funny when she shows up and knocks on the door he's so taken aback by her being there it's like it has literally never happened in their relationship (laughs) and so he he doesn't even invite her in for a good like 30 seconds yeah well and i think he figures out that the photos that are out aren't they're not going to incriminate him to Rita. Whereas if it was like Deb or something, he'd have to scramble to clean up or not let somebody in. Yeah. What if it was uh what if it was Dokes 
<laughs> and he was just like, <laughs> like, what are you looking at, you pervert? Looking at your old photos? Surprise, <laughs> surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, which, no. which, by the way, that should be a greeting for everything. Somebody told me that we should call this podcast Surprise Motherfucker. I was like, <laughs> I don't really want to have that much trouble with people finding us on iTunes. <laughs> yeah. I think that could also be misconstrued as um, Samuel L. Jackson, too. Like, it's definitely jokes, but, like, there's almost a hint to Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, come on now. Yeah, well, speaking of dokes, um, he has a, a plot line in this episode where the the other cops have essentially set him up as bait and he gets chased around and finally as it looks like he's about to get killed the other cops show up and take out the bad guys for beating a cop and it reveals that they were actually just using him to get to get those guys uh, arrested and they weren't actually trying to get Dokes killed but he didn't know that so he had a pretty nervous episode See, I actually wonder about that because I feel like they were actually setting him up up until that conversation in the break room where he tells him about his sister getting the divorce. I think so, too. It's too big of a risk for it to not be a setup. I mean, for it to actually be a setup, that's what I meant. Uh, I agree. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know if they would have let him die over it, but um, certainly... I think it certainly helped his chances of survival that they had the conversation and he told them that that uh, divorce was imminent and that she was already unhappy with the marriage, that he didn't have anything to do with that part of it. It's a pretty big risk if that was a setup from the beginning. You know, let's just take him to their house, make sure they see him, and then we're just going to parade him around in public places while he's being stalked by them. They're not going to intervene in time in these public places where the guys are parked down the block. So, yeah. No. And then the only uh, the only storyline left is is Angels. And, oh my, Angels. Uh, oh, sad. Mm. So he goes through the whole process of trying to pick out a gift and then he shows a uh, Deb this like stupid heart-shaped key, and Deb's like, "Yeah, sure, it's like something you would give a girlfriend in high school." But sure, um, Angel goes. Angel in the audience learns that that he and his wife have been separated for over three months. We meet her for the first time. Um, we learn that Angel had an affair that causes the rift, and then Angel ends up visiting his sleeping daughter and whispers lo siento which is um, I'm sorry and he leaves the key on his daughter's table instead of giving it to his wife so it ends up being more fitting because it's much more of a thing that you would give a child than an adult woman but um, but there you go better than a necklace that says ox ox yes <laughs> that would have been wonderful just give that to your daughter there <laughs> you go ox you can play tic-tac-toe on your head Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it for the plot lines. Um, the director was Robert Lieberman, who worked on D3 Mighty Ducks before Dexter. Um, he directed uh, episode four and five, so he's going to be the director for the next episode as well. And then he's been doing various stints directing television. Um, nothing really noteworthy or anything that stuck for 
more than a, a handful of episodes at a time. Uh, the writer was Drew Z. Greenberg, who was a story editor and writer on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, he must have been a Joss Whedon guy because he worked on Firefly a little bit as well. And then on Dexter, he wrote two episodes, this one and season one, episode 11. And he's since moved on to be a writer for Arrow and Angels of Arrow and Angels of S.H.I.E.L.D. Angels of S.H.I.E.L.D. would just be sad. It would be a lot of guys <laughs> trying to buy jewelry for people. The whole <laughs> show. Hey, you think she's going to like this S.H.I.E.L.D.? <laughs> <laughs> Why would he uh, just... Diamond-encrusted S.H.I.E.L.D.? <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe I'll get you an Ox, Agent Coulson? <laughs> Um, so, yeah, what do we think is the best line of the episode? Interesting hand job. <laughs> that would be my choice for the worst line. <laughs> okay. I just like yeah. that I'm something new entirely. I'm Dexter. Just That was just such a strong mm-hmm. pronouncement. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that as best line. Anyone else have a worst line contender? Anything um, that Angel said. Yeah, I think anything about. I think Angel's thing. attempt to explain the X's and O's was the funniest of the <sighs> like horrible Angel interactions in this. It's like hugs and kisses, like the X and and the O and the. Mm. Um, <laughs> ox. Ox. Who do we want to give the performance of the episode to? Walter the dog. <laughs> Walter the dog's <laughs> owner. Like, how wonderful was that, like, cave troll? <laughs> but to get Walter to cry like that, and then his little happy face on, in the car, come on, that's Well, she was beating him off camera, clearly. Yeah. Well, here's another line we can add into the, into the, into the mix, is, uh, the beagle has landed. Uh, Which is something that Dexter that says. Uh, yeah. I almost turned it off. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. Um, that is season one, episode four. Um, thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye.